Overnight, the pandemic imposed a radical switch to remote teaching and learning that many hoped would be temporary. Schools and universities are closed not knowing when they will be utilized again and educating students from home is not much of an easy job. For the fourth episode, Aslan Arif, as an architect lecturer for bachelor's and master's degree in a local university, will be addressing his insights and experiences of what it is like educating the future generations during this worldwide public health crisis. Hi everyone, I'm Shaza, the creator and your host for Life Pick Podcast. For this season of Life Pick, you can get a mix of interviews and inside conversations about our many local career fields. Based on the perspective and personal experiences on hands by guests who are already in the industry. If you are currently looking for a new job or transitioning into a different career path, then this podcast is for you. Or you might also want to learn and gain from different perspectives and experiences. So listen to the new episode every Sunday at 12am on Spotify. Let's unfold our working life together! Hi, thank you and welcome for being a part of this episode in Life Big Podcast, Alan. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine, yeah. Thank you for having me here today. First things first, of course, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the yeah. audience, Alan? Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, my name is Azla Arif, Biali Arif. So people call me Alan or some people call me uh, Alan. Uh, depends on at which stage uh, you know me. Currently, I'm serving as a lecturer in one of our local institutions and I'm teaching architecture. So I started teaching when I was 26, so it's been quite a while since my first teaching. So you're an educator, oh that's Yeah, you get to call me that. <laughs> okay, before we start, actually Alan is my cousin and yeah. we practically grew up together, right? Mm, yeah. Every time during Raya, every year we would see each other definitely and we would even have like this ritual of sleeping over. Yeah. You and your siblings would come over and sleep over at my place and then we would do the same. Yeah, we have a fair share of a good. Yeah, it's been quite a while. I think uh, due to pandemic and then uh, we would not be able to see each other much often yeah. before it was. Yeah. That sucks, the pandemic. <laughs> mm, All yeah. right. But, oh yeah, you are an educator, right? So describe education in three words. In my context of architecture, it would be to nature, to see potentials in every individual and to get best out of their potential yeah i think that's pretty much summarize it yeah get the best out of their potential oh that's yep. nice mm-hmm. so you you like helping others basically yes because we believe that every people has their own potential every people have their own sets of skill because we are diversified in that way so different people have different potential and capabilities we would like to see much of their potential where we could groom them to be the version of their selves when they graduate yeah you mentioned just now uh, in the context of architecture right yeah so what was your education uh, prior becoming an educator so were you an architect before yes i was an architect oh uh, wow oh, yeah, yeah yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> so because when you are teaching in academic we are teaching in industry you need to have a fair share of experience in the industry so that would be the basic requirements for you to be able to teach what's there in the industry so you mm. would be able to expose the students with the real situation how it feels like to be working in the industry yep mm, i see okay so basically your education background 
study architecture. Was that a degree or where are you up to in your level of studying right now? My first uh, tertiary education was, of course, uh, being an architecture graduate. I had my Bachelor of Science in Architecture and then I working for a short while as an architectural assistant for a short while and then I further my master's degrees in architecture as well which is we call it MARC and then currently I'm pursuing my PhD in built environment because we don't have a specialization in architecture but our doctoral degree is known as built environment as general oh I'm so lucky to have you as my cousin oh I look up to you so much Uh, all right, okay. Describe your scope of work before and during the pandemic. Um, because when you were studying, you studied during the non-pandemic season, right? Yep. Even when you are still studying right now, you are doing your doctor's degree mm-hmm. and you are doing it during the pandemic. For a start, before pandemic, like I've mentioned, I started teaching at very young age. So being a lecturer is a big shoes to fill. You are expected to be well-versed with the industry. You are expected to have a very, very high qualification you know i think it's quite lucky that i was uh, be able to start my career at a relatively young age but people would come to me and then asking what are your qualifications to be able to teach people at a young age do you qualify enough what can you offer because people would think that my profession as a lecturer usually fit for people who are much much more knowledgeable much more experienced before you could teach people mm-hmm. but i think i'm lucky because you know to be able to uh, teach a young age but i think my forte would be able to engage with the younger generation mm-hmm. i understand how their thinking process I could understand how they work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the advantage of being a young lecturer. Regarding the pandemic challenges, mm-hmm. okay, architectural is a very hands-on course. So mm-hmm. you need to have a skills of growing. You cannot be isolated. It has to be teach on-site, face-to-face. This is to ensure that every student understand the actual fundamental of it, whether they are doing drawing in a way because in architecture you have a discipline of drawing drawing is a form of communication everything you draw every line has meanings wow. so whether the line is thick whether the line is dotted whether the line is diminished in the background it all conveys a meaning so when we work in industry the drawing is our of communicating how the building should be built. So when you are drawing incorrectly, you convey a different message. It mm-hmm. would lead to discrepancies in a building. It is a very, very challenging in pandemic because we could not monitor the students closely. So we can't be sure how the standards of the students are doing. For example, when we had mm-hmm. our review session at the end of the semester, students are doing their work remotely during the ODL, mm-hmm. online distance learning. They were required to send in the hard copy of their work for the review session. So there was one time that we thought during our online assessment, the drawing was okay. But when we get the set of drawing hands-on, we realized that the students actually enlarge the drawing. Oh. So it's sort of, the quality is not the same. So we yeah. could not monitor, we couldn't control that. So that's... Yeah, in cheating because 
you are supposed to drawn to scale but they enlarge the image of their drawing on the option that we have to is we are going to analyze this student that one is drawing mm. another way of communication is by model making as you know when you are going to the showroom you are going for real estate gallery mm-hmm. you will be stumbled upon this uh, miniature model of the buildings how the teeny teeny details that usually people prepare to help their clients understand where is the building situated what are the layouts of the building so part of it is model making communication so through online distance learning we could only assess the student by the pictures they have taken from the model mm-hmm. so we cannot have a tangible experience tangible assessment uh-huh. to the model we could only guess from the picture we could not really comment on the workmanship yeah that's part of the challenges in architecture mm-hmm. education it taught us that uh, the pandemic the ODL for architecture doesn't really work. it's quite a lot of hard work because mm-hmm. normally architecture you need to be there physically to assess yeah. and evaluate everything but then because of this pandemic so you are currently doing ODL lah, online distance learning lah. Yep. and then of the ODL challenges is the students are facing they could not be able to work with each other because in architecture we are working with a set of different disciplinary There are QS that we are working yeah. with, engineers, um, contractor. So when we are working in the studios, they learn to work together collaboratively as a team. So they are losing the excitement of working together in the studio, especially when you are doing architecture. There are a lot of things that you need to consider: the drawings, the model, and the presentation. Mm-hmm. So when you are alone finishing your task, you would not be getting this kind of motivation. And then when your work is not as promising as what the lecturer has told them to do they would have a sense of demotivated oh, you feel demotivated. so that's when the studio environment is important for them to get them motivated to move on to next progress I came across to this meme mm-hmm. regarding on ODL online yeah. distance learning mm-hmm. uh, about architecture students and engineering students mm-hmm. whereby the future constructions are going to be not going to function well Has the community of architecture so far any of them figured off a solution towards this though? I would like to relate this to one of my students uh, research because he's doing project monitoring in pandemic. There are just limited number of workers that are allowed in the construction site. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, building a building requires many components. For example, the walls, the column, the windows, the installation. So everything has to take yeah. consideration in a large number of manpower. Mm-hmm. So when you have lesser worker, there will be more delays in completing the projects. Basically, the timeline is somehow elongated. Is that Yes, it is affected in many ways. This is a fun fact. Construction site, they are basically rely on the rental. For how many duration of the project completion, you are required to pay a certain amount of rent and a number of worker times the days. I never knew that. Oh, that's an interesting mm-hmm. fact that I learned today. Yep. So most of the projects are not viable during pandemic mm. because it incur a lot of costs and there will be limited number of workers that allowed in the construction. So that affects. Greatly, mm-hmm. yeah. So sorry to hear that. Moving on to the next question. Mm-hmm. Do you have any university expectation versus reality situation or moment? Usually when 
you're an architecture graduate, of course, you are expected to serve an, as an architect. Mm-hmm. But I think in Malaysia, I believe that most of our architects in Malaysia would agree with me because we are being underpaid but expected to be jack of all trades okay. with a low wage. So there was one time that gone viral where they have this master graduate. Okay, in Malaysia, the minimum payment for the BSc, which is degree level yeah. graduates, are starting at 1.8K, right? And yes. then for masters, usually it's 3.5K mm-hmm. minimum. Mm-hmm. But what have gone viral in the past few months was they have this renowned award-winning firm that posted their position vacancy, master requirement level, at 1.8k of uh-huh. salary of I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So that shows how our architectural scene in Malaysia has not been paying us the appropriate amount that proportion to our academic level. And then I think, okay, it has to be something to do with our system of architectural scene. Because in Australia, they have different tiers of the architectural firms. Whenever you are at this tier of the firm, you are expected to carry out these few types of projects which is the smaller ones Mm -hmm. and then you have many experience you could advance to another tier Mm -hmm. so that requires you to work with the different scale of the building and then you could go as upper to the bigger project there is no competition between the big firm and the small firm Mm -hmm. because we are managing different types of projects Mm -hmm. but in Malaysia there is no provision for this big or small firm you are competing for the same project so all of these big firms are taking up a lot of projects so there are no more small projects for the firms who are newly emerging into the industry we could not survive that long uh, after we established the firm Mm -hmm. so when you cannot attain the project where the project has been taken by the big firms Mm -hmm. you end up having to deal with your close friends project Uh, Mm -hmm. families so there isn't much pay to sustain the company so that results the underpayment of our graduates in Mm. other words you need to have bigger cables bigger cable yeah (laughs) (laughs) cronies that's what's happening in Malaysia okay oops Mm. (laughs) (laughs) alright that's what happened when the system that's supposed to regulate this kind of thing but they are not really posing enough power enforce this okay there is something that is not wrong with the system i cannot change the system but i could change the right person change and rectify the system so that's where my interest towards the education comes in i hope that i could educate some future architects who can make our architectural scene rectify the system so it would be more friendly towards the architects and we update accordingly what we are expected and according to our job scope yeah of course all right interesting but then to think about it our late grandfather was mm-hmm. an educator as well he was a principal back then in the kampong setting people who have education mm-hmm. strictly have bigger brighter futures to hold a position as a educator mm-hmm. so our grandfather was very yes. very lucky and it came down to it's your mother yeah so i think i could say that teaching is in my blood besides i think because of this blood lineage, <laughs> I didn't really think that teaching as part of my work. I could say that 
teaching is basically my passion mm-hmm. and every time I go and teach it feels more like a sharing session instead of being a formal very restricted they are not engaging uh, situation yeah. you like sharing your knowledge towards your students and those are the future generations right yep in your perspective though what are the characteristics needed to be a good educator such as yourself <laughs> okay, all right. As an educator, when you're in academic uh, position, of course, we are expected to work with human. We could not teach devices, mm-hmm. all right. So most of our time will be spending with the students. We are working with human, mm-hmm. human with emotion. So we, as an academician, we need to be more empathetic. We need to have sympathy mm-hmm. to whatever people who provide and we could loosen up a bit a good lecturer would be able to understand the students well what are the setbacks the students facing for example ODL yeah. ODL has impacted us in many ways uh, mm-hmm. the students and the lecturer we are both struggling to adapt with the ODL situation yeah it's a new situation yeah yep it is and it has now down to our third ODL so far we thought we have adapted well mm-hmm. but it gets tougher and tougher right. and everyone has just reach to the point of burnout. I think this is quite prevalent in other industries as well, yeah? Yes, yes and then It has impacted so big on us that mm-hmm. every industries are going through this and right now everyone is just totally burnt out. Yeah, for example, there was one thing that viral. Just recently, we have lost two students due to pandemic because the stresses of the working. When in pandemic, we are staring at the devices for too long and then we could not meet anybody. We couldn't have a physical or real life conversation so it's somehow spiritually draining Mm-hmm. So it has come to a point that the students are under great depression and then they could not cope well mm-hmm. and it affected their health in many ways. We are shocked by the news of the loss of these two students. That is when the institution realized that we need to do something, we need to loosen up a bit. You need to have that sympathy to be understanding what is happening on the other end. Of course, mm-hmm. we are adhering to the requirements of the syllabus. Mm-hmm. Due to ODL, there are a few setbacks that we have to understand and we have to compromise a bit. Mm-hmm. But as long as we are working towards the same goal and the same syllabus that we have to fulfill, for example, one of my students, a few maybe, they have gone through a great depression. So what I can do is to loosen up a bit on the requirements of the submission. Mm-hmm. In architecture, we are dealing a lot with materials, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Our building materials for the model making. Mm-hmm. Imagine during the pandemic, mm-hmm. all of the stationary shops are closed. The computer shop, the gadgets, the mobile repairing shops are not open. So when you are facing with this kind of limitation that the students are not being able to deliver their submission on time. Mm -hmm. So we have to be understanding in that sense. The submission is on the certain date that has been stipulated during the course plan duration. You need to submit on time. Mm -hmm. But due to these setbacks, you have to go easy a bit. I can't deny the fact that some students are taking advantage uh-huh. to submit later, to procrastinate. Trust me, every architect or designers would agree with me because there is no final design, actually. There is always ways to improve, improve. You just need to know where is the full stop, where is the finish line that you're supposed to stop. 
right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you keep on improvising things. Mm-hmm. So by setting this deadline, mm-hmm. okay, at least the student know, okay, where is the, the stage that the students need to stop developing their design process? Wow, that's a lot of characteristics needed to be a good educator. Of yeah, course. Sure. You are the main lead that share knowledges with them. You are yeah. the one who help them guide the students and everything. So obviously, you need to have a lot of characteristics. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, what were the experiences that you had and learned during this pandemic time? Our line of work is teaching and learning. So as we teach the students, we are also learning new things. For example, okay, there are times that I have to admit that I sometimes feel inferior to the students uh-huh. because in some ways they are more advanced than me. But the uses of the software and the platforms. Back when the first time we were struck by the pandemic, we are uh, able to conduct ODL. So I'm not sure what kind of platform that are most friendly to use for ODL and then the students started to figure out things how to conduct the class okay uh, Cik Lan you, maybe you could use Discord we would make this yeah. chat room yeah. you pakai Discord eh? yeah we are working in Discord at first Nice. Uh, and then <laughs> I think because the students are too familiar with the gaming so I think we could benefit the thing and then I started to get familiarized with the Discord mm-hmm. and then not long after that our university announced that they are allocating for Google account oh, for lecturers so we could benefit from it we are using the Google Meet and then we are able to record every tutorial session with massive amount of Google Drive so we make sure of that privilege that allows us to record many 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 classes many many sessions there so the students could refer back and then there was one time that this master students they introduced me to this jam bot oh. because when assessing the students work we need to pinpoint what are the don'ts that we need to guide the students we could not draw with them physically we have to draw using the online platform I so see. jam bot is one of them but of course we could not compare the effectiveness because when online and then you are working with your mouse your draw Drawing will be yeah, affected greatly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then another software that we get to familiarize is another platform of using sort of virtual a whiteboard mm-hmm. where everyone gets to present their work. They could see other people's works as well. That one is Miro Whiteboard Online. Everyone could compare how they are progressing. There are sort of competitiveness between mm-hmm. the students. And this is one of the things that we miss from the studio because in the studio, we get to see different people's works. Uh-huh. So this one we have to move on virtually. That's how we adopted the same concept in uh, the online platform. Yes. Yeah, we were practically like almost the same batch. Mm-hmm. You're just one year older than me, right? Yeah. When you were studying back then, before the pandemic, you had to draw on a piece of paper, right? Yep. But now all the students they are drawing on an online platform. Mm-hmm. Oh no, there is different way of doing that because in architecture still, especially the batch that I'm teaching mm-hmm. is the one who draws manually. Um, so they need to draw on a piece of paper and then they need, they need to scan it. Oh, for I see. The, for a lot of process. For it, yeah. Huh? Uh, so they have to convert into PDF before we could see it online. Mm, yeah. Okay. Mm. Moving forward, any achievements or satisfaction that you would like to share throughout your career journey? The time that you are seeing your first few batches that I was teaching, finally graduating and seeing how much they have grown through the years of teaching and learning. We could see from they were trying to build a small basic buildings and then finally 
able to present it in much complicated. Mm. It really warms my heart. Okay, these students come a long way, and then I'm really, really glad that we get to see their full potential mm. as being put into good use. And I have no worries that they would tremendously contributed to our industry in a big way. Yeah. Wow, that's just an amazing feeling. Basically, you have achieved that moment, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Counting more. Yep. <laughs> Apart from achievement and satisfaction, as a lecturer yourself, what do you expect and normally look forward the most about your current job? What motivates you to work? There are always opportunity for you to learn, to grow. And when we are talking about education, there are just a lot of things to learn, a lot of skills to adapt. Every day, you wake up with things to forward to, things to learn. As I mentioned earlier, even with the pandemic strike, we always learn to adopt to something new. You will be able to grow and outgrow yourself because back then, when I was working in a small company, we were doing drafting sets of drawing. Most of the time, I think I would questioning myself for how long I have to do these things over and over again and then thinking that I'm not going to grow as much as I wanted to because every day we need to improve ourselves, we need to go forward, we can't be stagnant. Although some people like it the way, they, they like to be in the comfort zone, but for yeah. me, there is always ways to improve yourself. So mm-hmm. I think for me, who likes challenges, of course, mm-hmm. I would go forward to things that elevate me to another level. So this career gives me that opportunity. We even have links with different faculties and different universities. I would like to relate this with spiritual and religion. Where people say that when you go to your afterlife, okay, mm-hmm. there are three things that uh, would accompany you to the afterlife. And part of it is your teachings. You are teaching your students and then your students are benefiting from what you have taught them. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that you taught them, as long as it is being practices throughout their lifetime and it benefits other people, for example, you taught your students to design a mosque, for example, mm-hmm. right? as long as the mosques are serving the community and then this being used over and over again, your deeds would come to you, to oh, the afterlife. So I think that's a very, very good investment, sort of. It doesn't stop to the joy and satisfaction of working in our current life. It also contributes to the society and our here after because in the end for those who are very spiritual and who are very religious mm-hmm. they would want to chase heaven in the end we would like to get a lot of deeds right? yeah yeah we are actually almost done here Alan. oh yeah <laughs> yeah we are actually almost done here and i'm very impressed so far what mm-hmm. about the work-life balance of being a lecturer i don't know how people usually look lecturers job scope as but i've been hearing a lot that lecturers are really not as busy as other people's my conception towards mm-hmm. Lecturers, mm-hmm. they probably work 9 to 5. Pretty much a bit, but sometimes there are things that we have to over time. Uh-huh, uh, of course. If there is any things that we need to present urgently, things doesn't go as planned uh-huh. as what the academic calendar has been planned. But I would like to say this, okay, there are some few breaks uh, being a lecturer. Sometimes there are leisure time. Sometimes when we are busy, yes, we could not even sit down properly. There are seasons, it keeps uh-huh. on coming. So it comes in waves. There uh-huh. are times that we are Not almost treat. busy. You like treat, yeah. yeah. And then there are times that we are too occupied with our works that we could not be able to focus on ourselves. Uh, mm, I understand. Yep. So basically, the work-life balance is somehow it could be balanced at certain times mm-hmm. and depending on the season. Before mm-hmm. we finish this podcast, do mm-hmm. you have any advice for those people out there who actually want to or is transitioning? into becoming a lecturer during this pandemic time there are people who are resorting to 
being teachers, being a lecturer, so that they could have more time for themselves compared to their mainstream industry. But my advice would be, as I mentioned earlier, you need to be empathetic, not just for the sake of you want a very work-life balance kind of profession, but also you need to be more human because mm. we, as an academician, we are dealing with people, we are teaching people, so you need to know what are the problems that might come to us, might come to the students. So you need to understand people not just living by makan gaji get your monthly payment and then just basically wash your hands you can wash hands right? you have to be responsible for the profession because everything that you do will come back to you of course yeah. mm, yeah. alright thank you so much Alan for mm-hmm. being in the podcast today I hope you have a good day ahead and for the audiences out there thank you so much for listening mm-hmm. alright alright